0: You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. I'm glad to be in God's house today. You may be seated. Amen. We wish uh, a happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here today. And this is a, a, a special day for those who have good memories of your, of your dad and of your father. And uh, I understand that maybe not all circumstances are the same, but I will uh, say to you today that I'm so thankful for my father, and uh, we talk often, and I, I called him late last evening, and um, he claims that I was a Father's Day gift, and uh, that's based upon uh, my birthday being right around the same day as Father's Day. So I. I I take that. I receive that. Amen. Uh, As the oldest in the family, uh, my dad, um, at a very early age, decided that he would teach me many things uh, about life and how to do things in life. And I am so grateful for the time that he took to put into my life, even at a very young age. And I can remember great memories of... um, if my dad went to town, I was in the vehicle. And if he went to the hayfield, I was on the tractor. And if we went to the woods, I was in the truck. And uh, if we went to the barn, I was with him. That was just the way it was. And he taught me at a very early age to do uh, those types of things. And I don't regret it at all. He had me milking cows by the age of five. And um, I wasn't real big, but I learned how to do that at a very young age. And he allowed me to get my own cha- chainsaw at age 13. And I think about that now, and I'm thinking, I don't know if that was a wise thing, but I was so glad he allowed that to happen. And so he taught me many things about life, and so I love my dad today. He's an inspiration in my life, and I respect and hold him highly in esteem. Amen. And my son and my son-in-law that have children today, I'm so thankful for them and uh, how they uh, bring up their children and train them in the ways of the Lord and I am blessed to be a father I have three wonderful children I thank God for each of them they're all different in their own way and uh, they all have their own talents they all, all have their own abilities but I love them dearly for who they are and I thank God for them today and I'm glad to be a dad amen and uh, I don't know if you as a dad have ever had to apologize to your children not one person besides me? Okay. Got a couple back in that row. Well, I, I should come back there and sit with you guys. I've had instances where I've probably had to apologize on multiple occasions to my kids. But uh, they didn't send any manual with them when they came. And um, so I had, you know, I was just, I was going by uh, what I knew and what I was learning on the fly. And uh, <clears throat> you don't really appreciate how great your dad was until you become a dad and then you realize how, tough it is and what a challenge it is. And uh, so I thank God this morning for my dad, and I'm thankful to be a dad. And we want to welcome our newest edition this morning, Brinkley. Brinkley is with us this morning, the newest edition, Not many days old. Congratulations. And we have a special event that's happening today. We have a baptism that's taking place, and we welcome... All of our guests this morning to be with us at Mission Point. Thank you for joining us this morning, in person, online, watching or listening today. We're so glad that you are with us. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 13. And, um, well, I'll just read the scripture first. How's that? Before I make any comments, because... I don't want anyone getting up and leaving right away. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, put it upon thy loins, and put it not in the water. So I got a girdle according to the word of the Lord, and I put it on my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise, go to the euphrates and hide it there in a hole of the rock so i went and i hid it by euphrates as the lord commanded me and it came to pass after many days that the lord said unto me arise go to euphrates and take the girdle from thence which i commanded thee to hide there then i went to euphrates and digged and took the girdle from the place where i had hid it and behold the girdle was marred it was profitable for nothing Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel. And the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people, and for a name, and for a praise, and for a glory, but they would not hear. And so this morning I'm going to speak to you about the marred girdle. Everyone's going to (laughs) stay? The marred girdle. I asked Brother Donnie back there this morning if he was wearing a girdle. He didn't. He said he wasn't. Um, of course, when you look in the King James Version, it uses the word girdle. If you look at the New King James, it uses the word sash. And it's best known what we would recognize today as a belt. But the girdle was a conspicuous uh, article of oriental dress, and the common girdle was made of leather or of dried muslin. Finer girdles were made of linen and were often embroidered with silk or with silver or some gold thread. And sometimes girdles were studded with precious stones or pearls. And in this way, the girdle was a good indication of the wealth and the social position of its wearer. A fine and rich girdle gave evidence of the importance of its owner. Its use was to gather together the loose garments at the, wearer, at the wearer's waist or loins, and especially when moving about. Otherwise, the long garments would be in the way of the feet. And as an article of the dress, it was always worn in the East, both by the rich and by the poor, and needed there uh, because of the flowing robes of the men. For the poor, they were the plainest of materials, and for the rich, they were more costly and highly ornamented, and sometimes they were even used to pass out as presents or gifts. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist wore a leathern girdle or one of skin. In Revelation, the Lord has on a golden girdle, and the seven angels who come out of the temple have the same. The priests of the Old Testament wore girdles, and the one for Aaron, the Bible says, was a linen girdle. The girdle was typical of strength, and it, it, it represented the, the power and the strength of the individual. That's why the Bible says it speaks about girding up your loins. That's about your active service. And the Lord says that when he comes to reign, that righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, the faithfulness uh, the girdle of his reins. In the present Time in warfare, the Christian is exhorted by Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 to gird about your loins with truth. That truth being the very thing that the enemy and the world opposes. And so the girdle became a symbol of a bond by which things are held together and um, are kept in good order, spiritually This morning, it holds together the good and the true principles that you and I would have and receive from the Word of God. It's absolutely crucial as men that we hold on to the truth. So what's happening here in our text when it's talking about the marred girdle? In the time of Jeremiah, people were... They wore loose garments, and they were made of cloth, and and a girdle was fastened about the waist or the hips like a belt. And the Lord told Jeremiah to to get a girdle of linen. And Jeremiah did, as the Lord said. Next, he was to go to the river Euphrates and and hide the girdle in in a hole by a rock. Uh, Jeremiah did just as God told him. And he put the girdle in a hole and covered it with sand and returned home. It seems strange to do such a thing, to bury a brand new linen girdle. But there was a reason why God told him to do such. And after many days, the Lord told Jeremiah to go back and get the girdle that he had hidden in the hole. And he went to the place, uncovered the hole, and took out the girdle. That's what happens in our text. And in our text, that girdle was made of linen, linen was a representation of righteousness, of cleanness, or purity, orderly life uh, according to God's commandments. And, and and we remember in John's vision in Revelation, he said the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. It's the representation of just living right. The girdle was made of that linen that represented truth, which is drawn out of the Lord's Word, and it's, uh, it's actually especially practical in, in application to our daily lives as men. And so when a man, a man arises to walk uh, in newness of life, uh, 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 in this wonderful truth, he binds on the girdle of truth. That's why Paul said, girt your loins up with truth so that you'll have proper actions that take place from your mind. And when we set out to do something and use that wonderful truth to regulate and to keep us in place and, and to keep our hearts in the right direction, it binds us together with the presence of the Lord. And it represents that wonderful truth that he has given to us. And, and we walk in love and intelligence of his word. And so that's why the prophet Jeremiah, through whom the word of the Lord was given, represented to God's people that day. So the prophet, binding up his clothing upon his loins with the linen girdle, represented the Lord coming to us and drawing us together with him. That he might give us life and have that life more abundantly. Folks, he's never changed, he's still in the business of drawing us close to him according to his word. His desire is for us to walk with him and to walk in the rightness of his righteousness. Uh, that's why it says in verse 1, the Lord says to get. The same word that we would use for buy. The prophet was to buy the girdle. That's the meaning of the word that's used here in the text. Uh, uh, it, it, it's more, it seems to have more significance than our our. English word of get, just get something, no. He told, uh, Jeremiah, I want you to buy this. This has has something very important to you, Jeremiah. I want you to take note, uh, and I want you to buy a girdle. Now, men, I'm not telling you to go out today and buy what we would know in our common day as a girdle. But you might at some point buy a belt. But this is what the Word says. Proverbs chapter 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The Bible says this is not just something that's casual. This is not something that you can have if you just please or or whatever day is good for you or or at your own convenience or, or, or when it just seems pleasurable. No, no, no. The Word says get a hold of the truth and don't allow it to go. Hold on to it. Buy it, he says, and sell it not. So spiritually, we... We get a hold, we buy certain conditions and qualities of our character because we take a hold of that truth in our life and we refuse to let it go. New Testament example is the the foolish virgins and the wise virgins and the wise had oil, but the, the foolish had to go buy more oil. They didn't do it soon enough, they didn't take the seriousness of it, the significance of getting a hold of, being ready for the bridegroom when he comes. Uh, Let me tell you, church, uh, I have no other desire in my life than to be ready uh, for the coming of the Lord. Uh, I've got a hold of the truth, uh, and I'm not going to let it go. Uh, I'm not going to set it down. Uh, I'm not going to compromise it. Uh, I'm not going to change it. Uh, I'm going to take a hold of the truth. Uh, Amen. And be ready for the coming of the Lord. It's very important. Paul wrote it to the church in Thessalonica, and he said, with, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not a love of the truth, that they might be saved. What's happening in churches today across our world is it's go if you please and go if you've got time and Go if it suits that there's a call from God's presence that we must fall in love with this beautiful truth, the truth of his word, and say above everything else in this world, listen, I I enjoy the things that happen uh, for, for uh, pleasures around the world too. If you are joy camping or four-wheeling or fishing or hunting or golfing or, Oh, there's lots of things you can enjoy, but they must not, they will not come ahead of the love for the truth. I enjoy work. I enjoy my family. I enjoy my grandkids. But they will not, and it will not come ahead of truth. I love my family, and I enjoy being married. I thank God for his blessings that he's put upon my life. But none of those things compare. To the power of the truth. It was the truth that set me free. It wasn't just anything that I did in my own strength or my own abilities. No, no. It was the truth that set me free. And here's what the world is saying today. That there is no absolute truth. I'm here to declare the exact opposite. There is an absolute absolute truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to him except through the Father. It's impossible to experience what God wants for you and I to experience today without the truth. And so Jeremiah is told to go hide the girdle, having bought it used it for a little while. It was stiff. And the Lord said, don't put it in any water. Don't soften it at all. And Jeremiah hid it in the cleft of the rock. And the Orientals had a a representative custom that if they felt they were aggrieved at some action or a certain person, they would bury some perishable article on a riverbank and Maybe in a damp place and until it was marred and spoiled by the dampness. Expressing their opinion or, or their thoughts about the person that had done them wrong. That was a custom. And here Jeremiah is going and he's putting this brand new girdle in the ground. Spiritually, he's hiding the girdle in the cleft of the rock which represents that truth. He's taking what they had in their possession, God was their king, he was their savior, he was their provider, he was everything they needed, and they had they had stepped away from the, the, the power of his presence and the power of his spirit. And, and Jeremiah takes a, a representation of that wonderful truth uh, and he hides it in the ground, losing, losing the value losing the value of what it represented. It's put into the ground, into a place where the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how many days, but it just says after many days. And Jeremiah hid that girdle in the banks of the Euphrates River. And that Euphrates was a a border or a boundary between Canaan and Assyria. And Assyria is a representation of the reasoning ability, the rational faculty that people have in their mind. And, 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 and the idea, even as men this morning, we, we just want to figure it out. Sometimes men don't want to do it if they can't figure it out. Well, let me tell you, church, men with that mission point this morning, if you can figure God out, it's probably not God. His ways are above our ways. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. He's the potter, and we're the clay. He's the creator, and we're the creation. And so the, 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 the fallacies of our senses and, and all the things that, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to come to some conclusion. You'll never get to the... The conclusion that God is and how he is and who he is. Yes, we have an understanding to a certain point. But let me tell you, you've got to get a hold of the truth and let that truth set you free. Let that truth be your guiding light. Let that truth be the direction that you follow. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's what the Word says. Somewhere around 300 miles is Euphrates from Jerusalem. And Jeremiah makes that journey. And he hides the girdle in the ground. And he returns back to Jerusalem. See, the mat- natural man does not perceive Spiritual or rational truths without an enlightenment or illumination of God's presence. The the Lord does through his spiritual presence and spirit and power. Where he illuminates into our lives spiritual truths. Because a man's spiritual mind is closed until God allows that to be able to understand. And that 300 miles, you can imagine Jeremiah's thoughts as he's he's walking there. I don't know if he rode on any animal or not. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But it represents a long, continued retrogression of decline in the mind of people where the clear truth of God's word had been gradually darkened and obscured. And now it had become entirely hidden to the natural senses. And God says, I've got to get the attention of my people. And that long journey the prophet, that would have made a strong impression upon the Jewish nation. That he's making this 300 mile journey to, to, to bury a brand new girdle in the ground by the Euphrates River. And then he's going to have to go back and get it again. Another 300 miles each way. Now, that's a lot of walking. 1,200 miles in total over a girdle. Listen, if people said you can walk 1,200 miles and at the end of your journey, you get your prize, it's a girdle. I mean, there better be at least an ice cream or something. Seems like a lot of walking for a belt. And when the girdle was found, the Bible says this, it was marred. Completely spoiled that it was, the Bible says, profitable for nothing. It was now of no use. And the Jews could get something of this representation that was enacted in this action of, of this new girdle that had been buried. And now it was of no value. It had lost its use. And it, it, it now represented a, a usefulness. And, and, and the symbolism that's being taught to the people of God is, listen, you can't, you can't back away from truth. And you can't disregard truth. And you can't. Ignore truth, because it will become marred and good for nothing. Say, Pastor, this is Father's Day. What are you doing? Don't worry, my wife asked me the same thing. The marred girdle represents the condition of a man. When the heart is lost, it's lost its interest in divine truth and the clear, rational insights in the intelligence of our minds. As we, okay, I'm going to follow my way and my selfish thoughts and, and what I think. And let me tell you, that will lead you astray. If you're not careful, the truth will become mired and useless. It will degenerate your mind and you will no longer have the spiritual binding and unity to the power of God's presence and His heart like He desires. In 2023, church, we are being challenged in every way when it comes to the Word of God and the truth of His Word. The Lord says in Deuteronomy, Chapter 30, if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. The Lord says, listen, if, if I am not the focal point, and I am not the center of your being, your life will not prosper spiritually. So what's the application? What's the application here on Father's Day? After those Jews had saw saw the marred girdle, the prophet forcibly, he he applies the lesson to them. He says, Thus saith Jehovah, after this manner, Will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem? See, the evil people which refuse to hear the words, he said, and and they go after the imagination of their own heart, and they walk after other gods, and they want to serve what they want to serve. Uh, They'll be like this girdle, which is good for nothing. Marred girdle is speaking to us today with an equal force but a spiritual application that must be applied to every man in this building, watching or listening online. Every man needs to secure the truth of the Lord's word and keep that truth. I didn't hear enough amens, and two or three of them were from women. It's time for the men to rise to the challenge and say, I'm going to follow the truth. I'm going to love the truth. I'm going to walk in the truth. I'm going to obey the truth. I'm going to let the truth be my guiding light. Stop blaming it on the women. No, I'm serious. Stop blaming it on the women. Men, it's time to rise to the challenge and be a man and get a hold of the truth or you'll end up with a marred girdle and a marred girdle is good for nothing. I want my loins girt about with truth I want the people of this world to know That I stand for truth I believe in truth I speak truth and love I want the truth to be What oozes out of my spirit It's not difficult Because he is the truth He is the truth And we must keep in mind the distinctions between natural things and spiritual things and maintaining an orderly natural life conduct, obviously. But let there be something spiritually that arises in our men that said we are going to lead our families. We're going to lead our communities. We're going to lead our children. We're going to lead our grandchildren. We're going to lead the people of God and the people we work with and the people around us and our neighbors. Oh, oh, God, let the men arise and realize, amen, the power and the authority you have as a man of God. This is what the Lord desires. It's in the Scripture we read, verse Verse 11. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord. Notice now, four things in closing music come, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory, this is what God desires your girdle to look like. This is what first thing he wants he wants us for a people. That's the first phrase he uses. What does that mean? It simply means like troops, like a flock, like a group of followers. He wants the men of this generation to be like troops and followers of the Almighty God. It seems so simple, but there's so many things that can get in between. So many things are challenging the men of our day. And God just simply wants you to be like a flock. A group of troops that just follow Him. He says, for a people. Secondly, He says, for a name. A memorial of individuality or authority. You're not to be someone else. You don't have to be like someone else. You don't have to act like someone else. You are your own individual. And God has placed authority upon you as a man. I'm not preaching to you from a chauvinistic viewpoint today. I'm preaching to you from a biblical principle that there's a responsibility upon you as a man. To be a man. Boys and boys, this is going over just like a lead balloon, but that doesn't matter to me. God has put it in my very makeup and authority as a man of God, not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a pastor. No, because I'm part of his flock. I'm part of his troop. And he has put an authority in me as a man, as an individual, to to be a people for him, for his name. Now, the next thing, this is what it says, for a praise, that means to celebrate. Who you are as a man. Listen, I know there's a few idiots out there. No, that's true. Okay, there's some men that are idiots. We know that. But you can celebrate who you are and not be ashamed of it if you're not one of those idiots. There is an attack upon masculinity, that you have to be embarrassed that you're a man. You don't have to be embarrassed that you're a man. Just be a man. A real man. A good man. A godly man. A a God-fearing man. A man that takes responsibility. Hallelujah. You can celebrate who you are. You don't have to try to be someone else or something else or, or whatever. No, celebrate who you are. And lastly, he says, for glory. That simply means bravery. Don't hide your head in the sand, don't be hiding behind your spouse. Let there be a bravery that comes out of you as a man, to be a godly man, a godly father, a godly grandfather, part of the troop or the flock of God who has individuality and yet authority with God, who celebrates who you are as a person and does that with bravery. And a man that doesn't give us any excuse To do things wrong and treat people wrong and talk wrong and all that jazz. It doesn't give us any excuse to do any of that stuff. If we need to fix some things in our lives, we need to fix some things in our lives. But we cannot allow the girdle to get marred. Because the truth will become hid and it will be useless. If there's ever a day that I want to be the man of God... That God wants me to be, it is this hour. I want to speak that truth in love. I want to be a representation of that beautiful truth. I don't want it to be hid and lose its value. I want what God's done in my life to be useful. And I want to be, I want to be part of His army. I want to be part of His authority. I want to be part of His celebration. Celebration, and I want to be part of being brave for him. There's a song that was written by Glenwood Woodward, Glenn Woodward, and his son Dylan sings that song. We're going to play that at this time. That's Brother Woodward's nephew that's singing it. And we're going we're gonna to let this song play. You can start it. It's a love for truth. It's a very moving song that was written. And something has to happen in our spirit where we fall in love with this beautiful truth. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.